Angie, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We are the Faithless Sisters, four women who love Jesus and who have committed to spending time studying the Bible and growing in friendship with each other. We love being together, and we hope that you'll enjoy your time with us. All right, well, let's see what we can come up with here in Isaiah 40. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe just kind of one of the things is kind of talking about who's involved here yeah. in, in this whole conversation. And some um, time frame and... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, we know that this is before the Babylonian conquest of Jerusalem, Right. This right, is a prophetic right. um, chapter mm-hmm. in Isaiah. So he's prophesying some things that are to come. Right. And, and I love, um, we were talking, Angie and I, we were talking about 39, Isaiah 39, and it kind of ends with um, the, um, oh, who was it? Um, Oh, Isaiah. Silly me. Couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was talking to Hezekiah, the, the king, mm-hmm. and he was saying, um, everything that you start up to this day, um, everything in your palace, it'll all be carried off um, to Babylon. And the response of Hezekiah was, um, the word of the Lord is spoken and is good, Hezekiah replied. For he thought, there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Meaning, it's not going to bother me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, you know, I'll be done. It. What do I care? Yeah. Right? So, so it's like, and then we, we, so it's setting that up. It, they still have 100 years, I think, or so before that's going to happen, before Jerusalem would fall. And then mm-hmm. 70 years of exile coming up in addition to that. And then if people have been listening, remember that time when Cyrus, the great, um, let Nehemiah come back. So we're like way before that time. Way before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, I think some of this is like Isaiah saying, what do I say to your people? God, what, what do you want me to say? And his response wasn't, we're not going to tell them all the bad stuff. We're going to give them comfort and let them know who is God. Like put things back in order for them. I think that's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he's, you know, he knows it's going to be in the in the future. He knows this is going to happen. This is not going to happen tomorrow. This is not going to happen next week. But this is coming, mm-hmm. um, and this is coming in generations. And we know that people processed things and took root of things generationally, um, especially in this context, in this time. And so I think it's important that, thinking, you know, it's 170 years from when this is actually going to happen, um, that there's 170 years of tradition and 170 years of ingrained God is good, God is going to take care of things, God is the creator. Because remember, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have books. They didn't read on their own. This was all oral tradition. And you know that the more you talk about it, the more it's going to process and the more it's going to settle in. So we have years and years and years and generations to really let this take root. Right. So I like that, that you're talking about this, Suzanne. And I think for us sometimes, 
we can just know the word of God. We can just know like our father or something, but it's not helping me right now. So this is a part of soaking in that scripture, just mm-hmm. continually letting it be there and letting it, not having to know the answers to it, not having to understand it, just soaking it all in. Right. I think that's a, a real different way to approach scripture sometimes. It's a way we should be allowing God to just change us according to his will. But I think it's difficult for us, like being in school and all that stuff, like, I need to know the answer, our Western type. Our, again, our Western way of approaching Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the time of Jesus, again, I, I know I've said this before, but the rabbis, their job was to continue the discussion about God. You were considered a good rabbi if you could have good questions or if you have things like, let me think about this. Let me just let this see if I can see it differently. That was the mark of a good rabbi. It wasn't someone who had all the answers is that they were able to just soak that in. Um, and I think that's an opportunity for us today, too. Well, yeah. We talked a little so, earlier. Go ahead, Go Suzanne. ahead, Angie. We talked a little bit earlier about how um, some of us, when we first started reading this, were, um, we didn't find it particularly comforting <laughs> because it was, it's kind of in your face, some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've sinned, you're going to get paid back double for your sins. Um, and then it talks about how we're like the grass in the fields. Um, and our faithfulness is like flowers that we wither and blow away. Um, and at first, that didn't strike me as particularly comforting <laughs> to read how frail we are. But I think the underlying issue there is that the permanence of God and the faithfulness of God compared to the frailty of man. So really and truly, we should take great comfort in the fact that that God is who he is um, and that he's he's got us, that he's over us um, instead of fighting against him all the time. I think we fight him for control a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think when... um you know, verse seven, where it talks about people are like grass and, you know, it withers and is gone. And, um, excuse me, then verse eight, the grass withers and the flowers fall. fall. That's true. All of it fades away, but the word of a God endures forever. Yeah. Um, and then in verse nine, um, says you who bring good news to Zion or record a podcast, that's how I was reading it last <laughs> night. I like that. Yeah. That's good. You're going to, who bring good news to Jerusalem or wherever you're listening, um, lift up your voice. And I, I kind of took that to us as um, doing the podcast. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and don't be afraid. Bring comfort to your people. Look, here's your God. See, the sovereign God, the Lord, comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. Um, His reward is with him. I don't really understand that. His recompense accompanies him. I looked it up, but... um, I did. Wait. Good. I did. What is it? It's pretty cool. So I was looking up in the Jewish Bible... It's so funny because they're saying, would you like it in Hebrew? And I go, yeah, that's not going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But, yeah. um, 
But they were taught, so Midrash, there's a commentary, there's different commentaries, but it was so cool. It was like um, Moses coming down, when Moses was on the mountain, when he came down from the mountain, his face was filled with glory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of different things. In that Moses received rays of glory, he didn't know that he had a shiny face or he had that radiant face. Um, but God passed by Moses on the cleft of the rock and left some of his glory. Um, and, and I thought, that was amazing. That's how God comes to us. And we may not know our radiance to others, but when we have the very presence of the Shekinah, which is the glory of God, mm-hmm. we can shine for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what recompense is like the reward. The reward it, yeah. It's for work and wages are the reward, recompense. But another one said, um, after Moses wrote the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, a little, I thought this was so cool. I don't, I don't know if it's true, but I love how the rabbis, this is the part where I'm like, rabbis keep questioning. Rabbis bring that thoughtfulness. But it says, after Moses wrote the Torah, um, a little ink was left in his pen, and when it passed before his head, the beams of glory were formed upon him. I'm like, yeah, that's not in the Bible, <laughs> but it's like so sweet, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like that is the, the wages that you get from work. Moses put a lot into their writing. He put a lot into his relationship with God. And that radiance was reflected in Moses. That was his, his recompense. That was his pay, is the way to say it. And so to say, um, see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies, meaning God is filled with glory. God has the Shekinah glory upon him all the time. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Anyway, well, I think, don't we all I, you know, feel like when we've done something... Um, like even our podcast, that we get to share uh-huh. in what God's doing on the earth. And that's a pretty awesome feeling. Um, mm-hmm. It is a reward. It is a recompense. Mm-hmm. And if people continue to read and, and engage in his word, there is a recompense for that. There is a reward for that. There is a Shekinah glory that falls upon you. And you may not realize it, but it might look like you're just nice to someone. Yeah. Really? It's true. You know? It's because you've been changed, and that's the reward. You've been changed by the Word of God, and that's the glory that goes out. I I, I thought that was fun. I I love that. By by the way, I'm one of the ones who loved Isaiah 40. I've never studied it, but it was like total God trash talking, and I thought it was awesome. (laughs) I just, like, yeah, like, okay, you little piece of grass, let me breathe on you. Let's see how this is going to (laughs) go. Oh, my gosh. I was loving it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been talking a lot about trash talking, God's trash talking us. And I I just wanted to let you know that that's been very intentional. The reason I was using that is we see it in sports all the time, trash talking. And the the way it works in sports is it's used to pull someone off their game, right? Someone, if, if you're playing in sports and someone's trash talking you, all of a sudden they're in your head. And if you pay attention to that trash talk, you're now playing their game because they're controlling it. That works with God, too. He's trash talking. He's saying all these different things throughout Isaiah um, 40. And um, he's trying to take you off your game. He's trying to take you off your game so that you start playing his game. So you start realizing who he is and um, 
what the real game is. He's trying to show you what the real game is, trying to help you play the real game. So just wanted to just let you guys know that's kind of the reason I'm using trash talk. And it's a good thing. Yeah, it kind of shakes things up a little bit. Right, right, yeah. And we stop playing our game of um, my way, I'm going to control this, I'm going to figure this out, I'm going to get this taken care of. We, don't, we can't do that anymore because, you know, we're like a piece of grass. <laughs> something like that we're, we're just we're gonna get blown away or whatever so it's like wow maybe we should play the real game that's going on and get our head in that game yeah but uh, the other part too in, in backing up just a little bit in verse three um a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the lord uh, make straight in the desert a highway for our god every valley shall be raised up every mountain and hill made low the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So this was important. Back in the day, they would have a herald come and announce the king is coming. Mm-hmm. They didn't have roads like we have roads. They had to work and make their roads accessible for the king. And it was always a good thing if your king came to your town. It was something everybody wanted. You know, it was an amazing thing. Maybe like Beyonce or something. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. No, but kind of like what we do. Well, I'm just kidding. It was oddly the only celebrity I could think of at the time. But it's just like how we treat celebrities. It's like, but that's what um, the towns wanted the the kings to come in. And so they would make a way for God to come in. Mm-hmm. And we can do that, too, as we just stay in his presence. Yeah. As we read his word, we're making a way in. We're removing those obstacles towards God. If something doesn't make sense to you, like, God, why am I a piece of grass? Right? If you're stuck on that, go ask him. You know, but you've made a way. You have you've seen that boulder. Yeah. You've seen something in his word, and you've allowed that to change you. Take it to God. So... That's great, Rosemary. Because, yeah, I took all of those yeah. scriptures. I know that they're prophetic about Jesus coming and John preparing the way mm-hmm. for him. But on second read, I thought about our hearts. That, you know, we have things in our hearts, obstacles, that keep us away from God. And so part of our job is to prepare the way in our own hearts yeah. for Him. To get rid of those things that stand in the way. Um, and I think that that's a big thing, to come to that place where we will look at His Word and take it in, believe that it's the truth, and let it change us. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's a huge part of, of growing closer to God and growing to know Him and walking with Him. And it, it doesn't mean we have to understand and know all the answers to it. We can just let it be there. Yeah. And just say, thank you, God. All right, I've got this. But one question that might come out of there is like, what do I need to level, God? What rock do I need to move out of the way? Yeah. How can I make it so that you will want to come to my town? Like, God already wants to. He loves you. But like, you're right. I think there's things in the way. Yeah. Well, I did love the part, you know, the more I thought about that, we're like, you know, grass that withers. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of nice. I mean, you know how little children, because I'm with my granddaughter right now, um, she looks to me for everything during the day. Um, you know, I need this. I need that. Can we do this? Can we do that? Um, and she's like, there's no shame in that. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So I think we need to be that way with God. We need to know that um, 
that it's okay to look to him for everything. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, he loves that. Just like I love that she needs me for things. God loves it when we're looking to him for things. So, so yeah, when he says, look for that comfort, it's okay to ask me about that comfort. It's okay to yeah. ask me to comfort you. Yeah. So when we were talking about going through this scripture, um, I, will, I'm, I did not tow the party line. Is that safe to say? <laughs> like Angie and Rosemary and Carrie are like, yes, this is going to be awesome. I'm so excited about it. And I'm like, eh, you know, it's fine. Eh. Um, this is, God speaks to all of us very differently. Um, just because we are different. He created us differently um, from mm-hmm. one another. And so, we just are in different places in life and um, different personalities and whatever. Um, it all just kind of works out that we connect differently with God. And like, for mm-hmm. me, this was not a huge passage of comfort. Um, it did not like throw me into some existential, existential, existential crisis. Is that, am I saying it right? I think so. I need another cup of coffee. Um, it does not have me questioning the goodness of God. It does not have me questioning my place in the world. It does not have me questioning anything. You know, um, this very clearly shows his authority and his role as creator and um, provider and overseer. But to me, this, it, this, and part of it's probably the language of it, um, but it just is not one of those passages where I'm like, I need some comfort. Oh, yeah, Isaiah 40. It's just not, it doesn't speak to me that way. <laughs> you know, I'm more of a girl who's going to go to the Psalms or um, to actually to Matthew. So anyway, that's just, that's my yeah. two cents. And I, it's beautiful, and it does it. It absolutely shows his authority and his place. Um, but that's this is not one of those that I just automatically go to for comfort. Well, for, for me, I was thinking about how big God is and it talks about his sovereignty and his power and his mighty arm and all that. But then it talks about, I'm thinking about us in these times, he is mighty and we are needy and questioning and needing comfort. And so like where it says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart, gently leads those who have young. It shows to me the, the set of other side where as grandmothers, moms, whatever, we want to comfort our children when they need it and we gather them up. And I'm just knowing that God, as powerful as he is, you know, we're, we're dust, we're nothing, and he can just poof us away. He doesn't want to poof us away. He wants us to get to gather us into his arms and, and pat our back, and, you know, rub our hair, you know, mm-hmm. stroke our hair and comfort us in um, mm-hmm. understanding his awesome and great power. You know, he's the creator of the earth and, um, can measure the waters in the hollows of his hand. Um, but to know that he 
he still wants to bring comfort. He's not a God that's so big that he, you know, brushes us aside. He comes to us for comfort and comforts us. Do you have that commentary that you were reading earlier about the seeds? Yep. The seeds of comfort? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, out of the commentary, I read this. The seeds of comfort make... I'm sorry? Sorry, it's out of the NIV study Bible down. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. NIV study. The seeds of comfort may take root in the soil of adversity. When your life seems to be falling apart, ask God to comfort you. You may not escape adversity, but you can find God's comfort as you face it. Sometimes, however, the only comfort we have is in the knowledge that someday we will be with God. And that, that is the reality for some people right now. That is the only comfort that they can find. And you can look in God's word and there's lots of verses that you can go to for comfort. I think for me, you know, not the whole thing, not the whole chapter, but so many of these verses are so comforting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I did love that part too, where it, um, it talks about the fact that Jesus tends his flock and he carries the lambs, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Um, I loved that because I thought that's, you know, he could do a lot of things with us. He could just, you know, drag us by the arm or throw us over his shoulder. Instead, he gathers us close up against his heart. Um, And I think that that's a a wonderful picture of how he views us, that we are his young, um, no matter how old we are. Um, We're his lambs. And he wants to take care of us. My granddaughter, my daughter goes to work early in the mornings right now. And um, so either I'll go get in bed with my granddaughter or she'll come and get in bed with me because we don't want her to wake up by herself. She's a little bit of a scaredy cat right now. And um, but but when she first gets in, she'll say, Mimi, could you cuddle me? And I love that. And she glues herself to me and that is such an awesome awesome feeling and when I read those words about Jesus gathering us um in his arms that's the picture that came to my mind is um how she feels when I gather her and I and I put both arms around her and bring her right up against my chest and um her little head's tucked under my chin and I think that's how it is with us with my father he just gathers me close holds me tight so that I know that I'm safe in his arms. And like Terry said, that comfort may be in that I'll be with him for eternity. And it may be a more um, an eternal idea than it is a temporal idea. Um, because the world is a hard place sometimes and bad things do happen. Um, but this is not all of life. You know, our life with Jesus is an eternal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So as we're like as you're reading through Isaiah 40, there are some things that um, are a little tough if you don't have the perspective of the fact that God is the one who has it all under control and that He is a loving God. If you discount um, these these parts, like verse 11 is what we keep going back to where he tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have, leads those that have young. Um, those, if you discount those passages in this 
chapter of Isaiah, um, it's hard. And it sounds very um, authoritarian, maybe, is what I'm looking for. Um, Because, um, like, chapter 20, or verse 23, it says, He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Uh, verse 24 says, no sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and the whirlwind whips them away like chaff. You know, so if you discount the fact that it very clearly says right smack in the middle, right smack in the middle of this book or of this chapter, it says that he is good and he is loving and he wants to gather us together. But at the same time, it shows how much power he has throughout the whole chapter. So if you discount those parts where it shows where he's loving, you can very easily look at this and go, yeah, but like he has all this power. So why isn't he doing anything right now? Yeah. You know, the world is hurting right now and the world is ugly right now. People are losing their lives. People are losing their livelihoods. People are losing their homes, their stability. There are kids out there who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Like, how can a good God allow these things to happen? You know, if he has enough power to reduce the princes to naught, then why won't he just sweep all this away? And the reality of it is, is it's because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And because we are not living in the design that God set forth, Thank you, Adam and Eve, and the power of free will um, and the fact that we um, are human and we made choices from the very beginning that have led to a fallen world that is ugly. And there are consequences to this sin. This is, and I'm, please do not take that from me saying like the coronavirus is a consequence to someone's sin because that's not it. It's a consequence to Adam and Eve's sin, really. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to because... blame it on them. I don't know about you. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I yeah. can blame it there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, um, I mean, we talked about that earlier, that God created a perfect world. And so in a perfect right. world, there was no coronavirus. But it's not a perfect world anymore because sin entered in, because man, you know, decided he wanted to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the earth has fallen. And so sickness and disease are part of that fallen world. And it's just a shame that we still have to live in it. Um, but it's just a reality. Yeah. You know, and God um, has been able to use, and his great, great plan was Jesus. And that's, um, that's where it all pivots. And it's right in the middle, and Jesus is there, and it's the centerfold of all of it. We all know that the centerfold is the most important piece, right? When you get your magazine and like, I just got a double issue of Southern Living Magazine. What magazine are you getting? (laughs) Southern Living Magazine. Oh, got it. (laughs) Southern Living, that's good. (laughs) So you open it up and it's the center and that's where it pivots. Like that's where they reveal that um, Dolly Parton is like the, the woman of the South this year, you know, mm-hmm. or um, this is where when you get to the middle, this is the the important stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, in your cooking, in my cooking magazine, um, my taste of home, that's where the big recipes are, right in the middle, right in the middle. You know, that's where the big important things are. So in this 
chapter, the big important things are God's graciousness and his loving kindness right in the middle. And in mm-hmm. the world right now, right in the middle is Jesus. And that's where it pivots. And yeah. so we've had this sinful world and we continue in it, but Jesus is there. And so that's where we can turn things. So even though he is a big, mighty God who really could just poof and we're done, um, he loves us enough that he wants to turn us to Jesus. And sometimes we have to have these ugly things in the world that happen um, so that we can realize that maybe the ultimate comfort is that we're with God in the end, um, but that he is there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. I told you guys, I'm a little concerned that I'm not hearing a lot of people um, on the news or on the television turning to the Lord. You know, the last big awful thing that we had was 9-11. And after 9-11, everybody wanted to pray and seek God. Um, and it was, it was just every time you turn the television on, somebody was having another prayer rally or another event or another something. I haven't seen any of that this time around. And, and I think that that, that concerns me a little bit. Um, because I would hope that people would stop and think, well, you know, maybe if we would turn towards God, he could help us in some way, Um, whatever way that might be. I I don't want to pass judgment on that, whether it would be to stop the spread of this or just to help us get through it. But I don't even hear anything like that going on, except in the church. And that's kind of broken my heart. Because I do believe that God could, you know, however his redemption, whatever form it takes, I do believe that he's a God of redemption. I love those verses like at 21 in Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. I mean, I love that. You know, are we not stopping and recognizing that God is God in all of this? I I so pray that we will. I think one of the things that that I'm seeing is um, that God is using this time to slow us down. I mean, we have Mm -hmm. come to almost a full stop. You know, just the reality of the entire world has come to a full stop. Mm -hmm. Um, We have slowed down our activities. We have slowed down the hustle and the bustle and the rush to get from here and there and all of these things. And we are having to make a very um, distinct effort to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have seen, just in my little world, um, people making more of an effort to connect with people that they wouldn't necessarily connect with. Um, And so I think that some of the redemption of what's going on here is that God is bringing people together and not necessarily, um, please not together in person. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't do that. Yeah. Right. But in my house, um, we are together more as a, as a family, Mm -hmm. um, than we usually are just because of schedules. Um, but you know, I think that he is um, redeeming some of those quality times that we have gotten away from 
Um, and I have a girlfriend who was like, I'm able to sit at the table and talk with my kids about God's goodness and the plan of um, how he loves us and the different ways that he shows us that he loves us. Um, you know, and she's like, I never would have been able to do that if school had been going on and if all of these other activities were going on. So I, I do think that there is some redemption happening, um, that we are able to take some time and really, um, just be nicer to humans as a whole. Is that, you know? Yeah. Well, I do believe God will bring beauty out of these ashes. So, you know, that is one thing that I had thought about. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I listened to a song, Beauty from Ashes, by Susan Ashton recently, uh, whoever it's from. And I thought about um, when we went out west um, to Yellowstone when the kids were young, um, one of the things, they had had a fire, and it had burned just acres and acres and acres of trees. And it was so sad to see that. But um, but the, the greenery was coming up under it, you know, how that comes up so rich. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when this is done and, you know, the fire's been put out, the maybe the richness will come through. It'll like come we were ta- you were saying, talking about being kinder to people and yeah. um, being more loving. Maybe that's going to happen with us. I think that would be a great prayer for us to have. I do, like I said, I believe that God will bring good things out of this. He always does because he is a God of redemption. Um, Maybe that's one of our prayers is that God will um, bring a greater closeness um, in families because the family has been kind of shattered in the last generation. Um, So I do think all this time together in this forced isolation within your, your home I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. <laughs> yeah. It certainly is an opportunity that we haven't had yeah. because we've been going so fast. We go so mm-hmm. fast, yeah. It's just so, so interesting. I, I think about that a lot, like how are we going to be different mm-hmm. with this? This will absolutely change us. It can't not change us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, I I count my blessings every morning. How, what kind of opportunity have I had to be with my daughter and my granddaughter? A once in a lifetime opportunity to be with them every day. I've been pretty much with them every day for a month now. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty incredible, I think. Especially when they live, you know, 900 miles away. Right. Right. So, Mm -hmm. well, one of, um, looking at the, I'm not sure where we're, at in this, but looking at the last few verses of it, just thinking about the people who have really been hit hard by it and are really suffering and struggling. Um, Verse 28 through 31, this helps me because I I know I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to be a little weary of it, where it's going to be, you know, your, your heart just and like Rosemary said, you know, her heart's just breaking and she's so sad. And um, I see that happening to me a little bit more every day as you get more information about it and stuff. And, um, and you know, giving up my homeschooling is going to be hard. I, I told Greg, I said, don't expect me to do anything tonight because I will just be crying. <laughs> because I'll just be missing her. And yeah. maybe that sometimes I need a little, <clears throat> for me, a little push 
to get me to the point where I will release my feelings or I will acknowledge them. Um, but these verses gave me um, hope and comfort when it says, I'm going to use my best theatrical voice because when I first heard this, this is how the woman that I heard said it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on eagles' wings. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not be faint. So, you know, I mean, even God is acknowledging you're going to be tired. You're going to be weary. You're going to feel faint. Even the youngest person during this time is feeling pressure, not going to school. They may not understand the full scope of it, but they know, even the youngest ones, that, you know, this is, this is hard. This is different. And, um, but those last few verses really give me a lot of hope that when we are running out of strength and getting white weary and I'm thinking about, you know, June, <laughs> we're looking at mid June around here so far, you know, for the quarantine stay at home, um, uh, rule law, whatever order. Um, it's going to feel wearisome, I think, but, um, God, if you turn to God for your comfort and for your hope, then, you know, you'll get the help that you need to get through yeah. it. He promises that right there. Yeah. I like the word renew because you're right. We are going to get tired and we are going to grow weary. Um, so that's okay. But God will renew our strength if we turn to him. Yeah. I think of all the medical people on the front lines. And everyone who's trying to figure this out, the scientists and everything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you're right. There's a point that, that it's going to be too hard. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's, I mean, I'm not on the front lines or anything like that, but I, I just was in comprehending what's happening, the sadness. Um, I'm not built to carry this. I'm not built right. to do this by myself. God didn't do that. I'm created to give it to him, to look to him, to depend on him. And I, I don't think this is something that we were ever built to carry on our own. And I, I certainly see a lot of us trying. A lot of, I was trying on my own. Like, how do I do this? You know, and there's certain things we have to know and we have to do, like how you're going to bring groceries into your house or, mm -hmm. you know, the social distancing and making those decisions. But underneath that is, is, this is what I'm finding in general as I talk to people, we've found our coping skills. We can focus on how we're going to wash down the groceries. We're going to focus on getting five boxes of cereal or focus on <laughs> all these other very important details. Yes. By the way, it wasn't a healthy cereal. They're all junky, sugary cereals. So, you know what? Oh, so Ernie's finding like, comfort in his cereal. Yeah, there you Apparently, go. Apparently, he will be. Yeah, and I don't know if it'll make it to June, but we're going to just keep doing it. But like, there's five there boxes of cereal in my house, make it like three days. 
So oh, wow. yeah, I know, Mine too. I know. <laughs> but it's but it's it's like yeah, we have to focus on doing that. We figured out some good coping skills. I think last week we were in shock, absolute shock. And people are starting to really get their heads around it, really starting to understand it, understand this is how I'm going to operate in this. Um, and then, but underneath that is something else that's running. And it, it's anxiety. It could be grief. It could be, it still could be shock, right? All that, but it's all running underneath. And if we continue to carry that, we're going to start seeing it. I'm just really encouraging people to give that to God, to let that go to him and to know you are not made, you are not created to carry this burden on your own. Connect with people, listen to uplifting things. I think one of the ways I was struggling was certainly the death that kind of hit me, but I hadn't been feeding myself the level I needed to be doing. I needed more time with God. I needed more time in the scripture loved doing Isaiah 40, you know, loved how God just put everything back in order. But guess what? I'm the creator of this universe. You are the grass. Got it? And then blowing on us. You know, I was like, got it? Okay, got it. <laughs> Wait, you know, it's like, I kept thinking when I said that, I was like, that is some bad breath. But <laughs> I, you know, I'm not kidding you. I loved Isaiah. This was fun. This was fun for me. Um, but just and the other thing that they were talking back, this is the beginning, the grass withers and the flowers fall. Well, in that particular one, the faithfulness was the flowers. So God's even saying in there, your faith will fall. Because if you're having it depend on you, if you're having it depend on how good you are, if that's what you're doing with your faith, this is going to fall. Yeah. Get ready. The faithfulness, God is the only one who's faithful, period. Like, you know, I love God. I'm in his word every day. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not faithful because I have a lot of other thoughts that run in my head like, oh, how am I going to figure this all out? You know what? He's faithful. He's like, I have you. I have you. Even though you're grass, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to care for you, right? Think of a sheep. He's giving all these images of comfort. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, he's the one who's faithful. So if we connect to him, that's the power we have to sustain us through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we start depending on our own power, it's not going to happen. And so that's the strength. You know, and then it, that's where we will, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's where it's renewed. When we realize who is the one that has the strength. When we realize our source. Yeah. Um, that was I, a little bit of a preach in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a good preaching. You're on it, girl. Well, okay. Some, Got some Friday morning church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whenever the podcast you're listening to. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Romans. it can be Friday morning church. Eight. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Sorry. Sorry, Terry, you were going to talk about God, but me and Suzanne were just yapping about other stuff. <laughs> Cereal and whatnot. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's about needing hope. And Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, in believing in God, in Christ, that you may abound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's trusting in him and leaning into him is where we even have our hope that things are going to turn out okay because he's in charge. So I think, yeah. you know, the world needs hope. The world needs comfort. Yeah. 
and you can find it in in God. You can find it in His Word. We're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I liked Angie when you were talking about the last part. They will soar on wings like eagles. We were talking about that before. Yeah. Um, I read that in um, the Blue Letter Bible, um, Gusick, and. He was talking about the order with God. God has an order for things. And um, so the one scripture where it says we're going to mount up with wings like eagles, um, that's, that's a recognition of, that we're in Jesus, that we're in Christ. And remember, you know, when we first got saved, how excited we were? I mean, we really, it was like when you fell in love with, with your husband. Mm-hmm. You just knew this was great. It was awesome. It was all you could talk about, all you could think about. And so... We mount up with wings like eagles when we recognize that we're in him. We get that same kind of energy and excitement going. Mm. Um, And then it says we need to run and not grow weary. So when we're running, we've set a course. You know, when runners get out, they run on a course. So we have to decide, we make a decision that we're going to set our course um, to walk with God, to know Him, to be in His family, to be a part of His family, to be a part of His plan. And then the last thing He said was to walk, that that's something that we can do for a lifetime. Walking is sustainable. You can walk and walk and walk and walk. You can't run forever, but you can walk forever. Um, and so He talked about how we, we walk with God, and that walk with Him sustains us. Um, and I did. I really appreciated that. I wrote that down. I thought, you know, I, I like the idea of that because I don't want to be just a, you know, like a dandelion flower that puffs in the wind and blows away. I want something that's sustaining. Um, I want my relationship with God to be um, a walk for a lifetime. I love that. I think that's a great way for us to kind of wrap things up for today. Um, so if you're reading through Isaiah 40, um, that's what we just finished with. We just finished the last verse of Isaiah 40. It's um, Isaiah 40, 31. Yeah, 40, 31. I, I, do, I do have just one more encouragement that we can just let, you know, I just want to add on to the end. Yeah. And it's in Isaiah 41, 17. The poor and the needy search for toilet paper, but there is none. No, wait. Oh, wait. Okay. So, paraphrase. I'm so sorry. I missed that word. Okay, it says the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. But anyway, I thought I'd put in the toilet paper because that's what it's like for us. (laughs) That's sort of where we are today, yeah. Funny. Yeah. Just a little bit of encouragement. God will even provide that. That's right. right. Thankfully. That's right. Yeah. Well, would somebody like to pray for us as we wrap things up today? Sure, I will. God, you are so good. You are so good, Lord. We just know. Thank you for helping us put things in order. Thank you for helping us realize that you are the one who is ultimately in charge of everything that goes on, that we are just Mm -hmm. blades of grass. But the thing that's good about that is blades of grass don't have to do everything. They're just blades of grass. You know, so we just do what we were created for. And God, we just ask that um, you open our eyes and open our hearts towards those who need us, Lord, that we step out of this not in a spirit of fear, but, Lord, a spirit of um, faith and a confidence, not in us, Lord, but a confidence in you Mm -hmm. and knowing who you are. 
Lord, we are just praying for all the families who are going through loss right now. Um, we are praying for those who are on the front lines, Lord, and for those mm-hmm. who are fighting this and who are doing their best. God, we just pray that they see you, Lord. We pray that you strengthen them, God, that, that also you give them um, the thoughts that they need. You know, you can, you can mm-hmm. decide what kind of vaccine or mm-hmm. whatever kind of drug, or you can move things according to um, ways that are beyond us, Lord. So we just ask for a complete healing of this virus, Lord. We ask for people to be comforted by you with their fear or their grief or their sadness, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you change us according to your will through this whole entire process, Lord. We are looking to you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And God, as we start going into Easter and everything here, Lord, we just pray that we're able to see you in a new way, God. Mm-hmm. We just thank you for all of this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. And cut. <laughs> 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 <laughs>